0: listening to the deep purple podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, deep purple. We take a look at the music, history and people behind the band deep purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 216, Michael Schenker Group, The Michael Schenker Group. And coming to you from the sloppy Joe capital of the Western Chicago suburbs, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry.
1: And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co host, John. Weird technical difficulties,
0: Matola. Ah, yes. Are you getting some interference in the cans? Yeah. Um,
1: so for our listeners, um, we know that I have, um, upstairs neighbors and (laughs) for some reason, um, whatever she is listening to is cutting into my headphones, which happen to also be wireless. And I don't know why this is happening now. Um, it's not happening now and I'm hoping it doesn't happen during this album, I was going to go to my wired headphones, but then I put them in. And first of all, it almost blew my eardrums out. And then it sounded terrible. And I'm like, I'm not listening to this album through these, Nope. (laughs) which is funny because I think I started out when we started the podcast, I started with those headphones and I... You did. For for like the 10 seconds I had them in, I'm like, I don't even know how I <laughs> even dealt with I think this. it was also
0: your microphone <laughs> when we started. <laughs> um, yeah, may, so Maybe your upstairs neighbor is just pre-gaming before a night out in the town. So maybe she'll just leave and take her Bluetooth interference with her.
1: Um, oh, you, know, you know what? That's right. I forgot it's Friday and, you know, <clears throat> other people are doing fun things and we're... Well, we're doing fun things, but they're doing, like, fun younger people things, and we're doing fun (laughs) older people things, like sitting in talking about, like, a
0: 40-something-year-old album. (laughs) They're doing more traditionally fun things. We're doing more fun fun things for us, yeah. Fun, with air quotes. Although at that age, I think we would have had more fun doing this, too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs>
0: you're probably
1: right. Actually, we were I think we were doing this, just we weren't podcasting. We we're just sitting around, like, you know, yeah,
0: sitting around your house going like,
1: Oh, isn't deep purple awesome? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be a great show of like the Chris Farley version. Remember when you guys did in rock? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't know why I said it
1: like like that. Chris like, rock, oh, Chris Purples, like I'm making fun.
0: <laughs> what did you <laughs> did say? I say Chris Rock? rock? <laughs> that is not Chris Rock. <laughs>
2: God damn! <laughs> damn, purple was good.
1: I also don't know why I said like I did an impersonation of us, like making fun of us. Like I think that we, <laughs> like we're losers for doing
0: that. <laughs> uh, well, we we may very well be, but have uh, eh, the hell with everybody. It's a, a rare Friday night recording for us.
1: Yes, maybe the and, first time um, ever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. every day of the week is the same to me. But rushed home uh, rushed home from work, made some made the kids mm-hmm. some sloppy joes and ran into the basement for some uh some podcasting. Is that what the sloppy joe reference was? <laughs> sloppy Joe, slap sloppy
1: joe. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind.
0: Yeah, it's the, it's what I sing while I'm making it, and everyone in my family just loves that.
1: Well <clears throat> also I am also uh Friday drinking the the uh, the rare alcoholic beverage during podcasting. Oh, what do you got and there? This one goes, and this one goes out to Rich. Oh, Yang Wee, <laughs> Shalor. <laughs> Who the hell is that? <laughs> <I'm> t- <laughs> the hell is that? As I'm drinking a Magnus. <laughs> ah,
0: smooth. Yeah, well. It is a uh, it's, it's a it's a good beer. I'm just I'm look, I'm looking for my uh, or a good a good drink rather. But yes, oh, it's man. a good
1: good cider. Never never heard of it, never tried it until Rich turned me onto it. So I always have some in the fridge in case he does the old pop in.
0: Until any yeah, Chris. In case uh,
2: Rich
0: Young, young we, In case he decides to uh pop in. And if he shows up and we don't know who he is, what do we say? I know I'm just trying to find it. I can't find it. Where the <laughs> heck did it go? It's driving me crazy. <laughs> this is what happens when we go off script, folks. <laughs> I think it's, is it sorting this properly? I just can't find it anywhere. <laughs> oh, well, oh. I'll, have to, I'll have to find it later. I must have put it in the wrong folder or something. All right, well, give me give me a little signal and I'll set it up. <laughs> yeah, you have to set me up later. I don't know how the heck I messed that up, but anyway, um, <laughs> if you, <laughs> the Deep Purple podcast is hundred percent listener supported and ad free, and if you receive some value for our show, please consider giving us some value back. You can do so a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy some merch at our Etsy store. You could become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. Help support the show. Help us buy some new non-Bluetooth headphones for John. Um, you can donate also on Cash App at $DPPOD or support us on ko um, So speaking of our amazing patrons, at our executive level... Uh, We have the $25 Uncommon Man tier. We have Ovis Nockvi and Purple Maniac. At the 15 Squid tier, Alan ain't too proud to beg. At the 10-pound Good Doctor tier, we have Dr. Jill Brees and Dr. Mike Katan. At the turn it up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Teelgard-Mortensen, Mickelstein, Will Porter, PHDPP, and at the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, and Better Call Saul Evans. And at the ooh, by 2033 tier, Fielding Fowler. Thank you, all of you, for your generous contributions to the Deep Purple Podcast. So, do have a couple of things. Uh, one of them is a, a little kind of in our patron update. Uh, slot here is Hank the Tank writes in. So he was just listening to our um, Munich episode, which as of recording, this just came out our first Munich episode. And you remember the pants that that Ronnie was wearing? Yes. So he sent me this picture that I will share with you. Um, He was also taken by those pants as you were. So he made his own pair. That's. Pretty awesome. When he sent the first, I was like, Oh my God, does he have the pants?
1: That was my first thought was, is just like, don't tell me that he like bought them at an auction or some shit. You know, yeah. I, that, would, that would be amazing. That would be
0: incredible. But even still this. So he says, Hey, listen to the rainbow 77 episode the other day. Love that show. Uh, but John is talking about Ronnie's jeans a, a bit in. Look what I found made these maybe 25 years ago. Doesn't fit anymore, but I loved them. Then he says, um, Nice. Uh, John can buy them. I think it's his size, not asking much. <laughs> Man, again.
1: I would. What are the Yeah, what's
0: Yeah, Hank, he say? right in. What's the inseam on those? We got to figure out if John's going to be wearing those to the next show we go to.
1: <laughs> I mean, I might if they um if they're a 32 32, send them my way. Yep, don't send them my way. They won't fit. <laughs> um by, by the way, um before I forget, um, I made a grave, I think I made a grave error in like um, missing an opportunity with our acoustic Hughes episode. What's that? Because I'm like walking around one day and all of a sudden I'm like acoustic Hughes, a Hughes stick. A Hughes stick. <laughs>
0: there you go. Hughes-a-ween by 2033, a Hughes, a Hughes stick, a Hughes stick. Yeah. It sounds like a Hughes stick
1: acoustic, a huge stick, a huge stick show. I don't know. I, it, in my head, I guess it sounded better. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, that's what we should have called it for the show. And now that you say it aloud, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad we didn't call it. That.
0: <laughs> Never mind. Right, I'll edit anyways. this out of the show. <laughs> Next. <laughs> um, But speaking of the Munich show of a, a very interesting, what kind of, um, uh, I don't know, dark is the right word um, thing to mention about that. So we, uh, and of course I just, you know, when you have something like open on your phone in a stupid social media app and you're like, oh, I'll just leave it open. And then you, you open your phone back up and it's like, it's there for a half second and it just disappears and it takes you wherever, you know, back to the top or whatever you want to do. Well, that just happened to me. Yep. Um, but anyway, I did I'm write it down. Um, and I know what I'm gonna talk about, which is Justin Childers wrote in about the 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 Munich seventy-seven show, um, that he, you know, he kind of just did the math on it. So the the Leonard Skinner plane crash was October twentieth, nineteen seventy-seven, and I believe it happened at like six fifty-two um, PM or something our time. But if you actually do the math the 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 skinnerd plane crash happened during that show. Wow. Like probably you know it says they went on after midnight so it's probably like an hour into the show probably during like long live rock and roll or like that exact moment the plane crash was happening which is kind of like a kind of spooky coincidence but also it's kind of weird like watching the show and thinking about it in that light like like that Jeez. was you know kind of kind of like i said kind of gruesome but an interesting uh, interesting thing to note so i when 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 he posted that i kind of i tagged uh, the simple man on on twitter and just kind of brought that fact up and it was kind of uh, kind of a little scary so anyway um, on that depressing note uh, the deep dive podcast network check it out at deepdivepodcastnetwork.com for all the other fine uh, uh, band deep dive podcasts out there including our good friend The Simple Man of Skinner Reconsidered. Um, So thank you to all of those great shows. Check them out if you want to see or listen to other shows doing some, you know, everyone's got a totally different take on how they tackle their chosen band or subject. But, you know, we're all kind of coming at it from the same place of of admiration and love for the bands and just trying to have a good time. So there you have it. So here we are. um, Michael Shanker Group Interestingly, the band is called Michael Schenker Group, but the album is called The Michael Schenker Group. Um, so, what do you, uh, what, how did we come upon this? Like, we, we talked about this album sort of recently. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your What's your take on it? What's your history with it?
1: Yeah. So I, uh, my history only goes back. Uh, what What did we talk about it? Like a month ago or something? Maybe. Yeah. Like yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't that long. But I mean, I have uh, my Spotify on, um, you know, playlists, like say if you search for a song, like, obviously I have, uh, so many things are connected to deep purple. You know, I could have had anything on related to those guys. And, um, you know, you put on a song or you end like an album and then it just kicks into a playlist mm. of mm-hmm. like artists. Yep. And so, uh, this one, uh, I think one of the tracks, um, from this album came on and I was just like, man, this is good. And um, you know, I tapped on like, go to album, and it was a Michael Shankar group. And I was just like, okay, this sounds like a really, like, just a really cool album. Like, let me check out more of it because I didn't feel like listening to any more of the playlist. So I just went through, and I'm listening to the songs. I'm like, man, this is like, this is really good shit. And for the first time in a while, I mean, occasionally I'll listen to full albums, uh, mostly like uh, not counting on the show. You know, I won't count here when we listen to full albums, but I won't listen to like full albums much anymore. But um, so I'm like, wow, this is really good. I wonder (laughs) I wonder who's on this. So I go to Wikipedia and I'm just like, "Eh, Michael Shankar. All right. And then I'm like, Mo Foster don airy (laughs) roger glover (laughs) was like what the (laughs) it's like it just it just kept getting more and more and i'm like how did i never know about this and then i told you and you're like oh yeah (laughs) because you know you know everything about the deep purple universe (laughs) but apparently this one slipped by me and i'm like get the hell out of here like like monster monster album in my opinion um and yeah, that will that will reflect uh, in the ratings. <laughs> but um, yeah, I never really paid Michael Shankar too much attention. Uh, not that I didn't like him or anything. Just he's one of those artists that I just, you know, never really, you know, just kind of went over went over my head, or you know, I passed by, you know, just for whatever reason. And yeah, so I slept on this album for a while. So yeah, this is the the first time that I've uh, you know heard it. Uh, was, was recently, or at least all the way through. I mean, I I must've been exposed to some of these songs at some point, but, um, yeah, that's, that's my history with, and then telling you like, Oh, we got, see, now we got to do a show on this because like most of deep purples in this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it didn't really come on my right now. Pretty much I have the exact same backstory as, as you with Michael Schenker. It's just one of those guys that he's always been in the orbit. And, you like, I know who he is. I have, like, a vague idea of his background. But I, I never, like, I never dove really too deep into his stuff or UFO. Like, I, you know, just a little bit. Um, you know, I know his history with, like, scorpions and UFO and stuff. But, yeah, um, I mean, th- I mean, it's yeah. just only so much time. <clears throat> I, all these, you know, you see these guys on YouTube and these other, like, people that we – associate with in the show and it's like they know everything about every band i'm like man how do you have the time i just (laughs) it's it's amazing like because i'm always like man like i I just i feel like i have a very narrowed focus and i don't know that much about some of these people like like this that i probably should know more about but I, i can't remember if when we had mo foster on the show if he talked about michael Schenker. if we asked him about michael Schenker, um but uh, you know, I, I kind of, it popped up with me with with Michael Schenker a few years ago and Roger Glover producing, and I did kind of mm-hmm. the same thing. So we got Mo Foster on bass, who, of course, Wizards Convention, Butterfly Ball, Fancy, all that sort of stuff, just amazing. One of my favorite bass players. I really love his style. Uh, not someone I would associate either with Michael Schenker, like I didn't, you know, but part of that's just my own ignorance. Then you've got Simon Phillips on drums, who is like kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it's the right term, but sort of almost discovered by Roger Glover, who brought him in to work on some of his projects when he was really young, I think. And he mentioned him, uh, he mentioned him when we had lunch with him. He mentioned Simon Phillips, he was talking about, I think because we, something came up about elements, and he had brought in Simon Phillips for elements, because somebody had told him, oh, this guy's like a really Good drummer, and he came in and he's like, Well, this is like a little kid. What's going on? Because he was, what, 17 or something. So you've got Simon Phillips on drums, who's done like a ton of Deep Purple crossover stuff. Yeah, um,
1: he's also played with Gary Moore, Bernie Marsden. Yep. Yeah. Amongst others. So, I mean, that's kind of the Deep Purple connection. John Lord. Yep.
0: Um, then you've got Don Airey on keys. And then uh, obviously, Michael Shanker, who, you know, who was with Scorpions very briefly, played on their first album. Um, did a bunch of stuff with UFO and then he came back to Scorpions or did like some, like as a guest in like 79 on the Love Drive album. And so I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm sure that I know there's like some, some folks out there that are huge Scorpions guys that know all the history there, but um, yeah, and then he d- eventually started in 1980, started the Michael Schenker Group um, and put and put this kind of lineup together. Gary Barden on vocals. Um, he, this, was, this album was his first album in, in Discog. So uh, he went on to also work with Gary Moore, who we were just talking about. So uh, there's some connection there. Um, and then you've got Roger Glover on production. Um, engineer is Gareth, <laughs> Gareth Gary Edwards. I love when they do that <laughs> when they when they put like the most obvious nickname, but they put in quotes <laughs> like it's totally crazy. Like Thomas, like, Tom Edwards. Like oh my god, where did they come up with this nickname?
1: Nathan Nate Bowdre. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, oh, <I, laughs> Nate is a nickname for Nathan. I huh? think they should only do that when it's like you know like you know like Mo Sausage Fingers Foster. <laughs> then it would be like okay, that's not. A Common, uh, <laughs> a common nickname. Uh. <laughs> uh, but so G- Gareth Gary Edwards, he he worked with Focus and Procol Harum, and uh, he worked with Gordon Gilstrap on the Visionary album. Now this is interesting, maybe only to me, but uh, Gordon Gilstrap also did an album called The Peacock Party, based on the book that is the sequel to The Butterfly Ball which also has John Gustafson on that album. So John Gustafson was on the Butterfly Ball. Then he was on this weird, completely unrelated album that was like a, a takeoff on the sequel to that album. So um, so it was, uh, you know, uh, kind of an interesting, weird little connection there. Um, and then um, Jeremy Allum on Tape up, he went on to work with Ecstasy, uh, dire Straits and the Pretenders as well as uh, Uli Roth um and then we get to the art direction and the album cover John what do you think about this album cover I mean it's it's
1: kind of it's kind of weird mm-hmm. um I, it's the first time of me seeing it like uh larger so it looks like that now I'm guessing that that's Michael Shankar yeah that's kind of like
0: i i don't know dentist chair
1: <laughs> i i always kind of assumed too. um yeah i mean it looks like michael shankar in a dentist chair with a bunch of stuff hooked up to him and i i noticed the the nurse over on the right for the first time but um yeah it looks like it looks like something out of like um what the hell is that horror movie shocker no no actually it kind of does but um but no, um, uh, the other one, um,
0: um, the other horror movie,
1: <laughs> There's only because no, 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 I'm trying to think of it. Yeah. You know, that other horror movie, you know, one of the, one of the millions that are out there. No, um, um, what's that one Clockwork where they like, they, no, they torture people. Like, in the, it was like in the two thousands or whatever. Where they like, no, not saw the other one. <laughs>
0: The other one, So <laughs> only, only ever two horror movies.
1: <laughs> no, the one, the one that's like hostile? that. Is, uh, was it? Yes. Hostel. That's okay. it. I haven't yeah, seen any they have of those, movies, like, I'm just guessing. <laughs> where they have those rooms where like people are in and they're getting tortured and stuff like that. And the guy cuts off the guy, you know, his Achilles tendon and you know, they, they have them strapped down. I think that was, that was hostile where it was like these rich people paid to like, go in and get the experience of torturing people. I think that's what it was about. So they basically kidnap people and throw them in these rooms that look, you know, like this and strap them down and, you know, wait for the, the paying rich dude to come in and like, I can needle them and stuff. But anyways, yeah. So that's the long way around of me saying that this
0: looks like that. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think that is Michael Schenker. Cause he's got kind of that same kind of hair and face. And then, yeah, he's yeah. clear. It's clearly just a, a, a dentist's office. Although it's like a kind of a, it looks like it's like a prison dentist's office. Cause it's got like these concrete yeah. walls and he's got all this, all these uh, diodes strapped to him. Yeah. Kind of. Oh, well, the
1: album cover kind of makes no sense because it isn't like the Michael Shankar group, like dentist's office or <laughs> something like that. It's that, uh,
0: <laughs> that would be an awesome name for an album. <laughs> Den I'm not a big fan of self-titled albums, but Dentist's Office would be a step down from a self-titled album.
1: But I mean, I don't know what this, I don't know what this album cover has to do with like anything on this album, um, other than, I don't know, I guess there was some weird imagery surrounding rock in the early eighties. I mean, this, uh, this, uh, this album is definitely has that kind of sound to it, um, it's a very Where metal she...
0: album cover looking like yeah, when, yeah. I, when I saw it, when I first saw it, before I listened to it, I was just like, wow, this looks like it's going to be like super heavy. So, it, it, you know, it, it is in parts, but it's not um, not as heavy as it looks like it's going to be based on this album cover. Um, and then you've got this lady like in the doorway here, like she's wearing this like a lady. kimono. <laughs> oh, like a... I thought that was a I thought that was a nurse. No wow well, I don't yeah that, I mean but she looks no, like she's wearing you're... oh may, maybe it, maybe she is oh you know, maybe she maybe it's not a kimono maybe that's blood on her maybe she's wearing like a nurse's uniform that's blood I I thought you... it was like flowers or something
1: no well that's what I well I mean when you when you zoomed out on the album it looked like she was a nurse peeking in which makes sense cuz it looks like a, a doctor's or a dentist's office or a surgical office but when you zoomed in and you said kimono I'm like all right. I said I don't that's weird, but it's because it looks like one, but then when you think, Oh, it's a nurse's alpha with blood on it, you're like, well, that makes more sense.
0: But maybe uh, she's just a bad dentist.
1: <laughs> so
0: maybe or maybe she's maybe That she would be wearing a good uh, a kimono. bad dentist. That would be a good name for uh, a <laughs> like the so for, for
1: group, bad dentist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is she wearing any <laughs> shoes? That would be the no. She's she's barefoot, so I think it's a kimono. What the what the hell is going on in this album cover? I mean, he looks like based on how he's like kind of strapped into this chair, he looks very calm. He's just wearing like skin tight like pleather or leather pants, no shirt, and he's just like do do do. So he doesn't seem bothered. <laughs> he doesn't seem doo, doo, bothered doo. that if she's coming in with a bloody nurse's uniform, I and mean, he doesn't seem aroused like if she's coming in with a kimono to be like ah, let's start our date in this or our, our sexy night in this concrete (laughs) bunker of a dentist's office.
1: Well, I mean, all I know is, is that it's, uh, there's something, there's something heavy metal going on here. Mm -hmm. He's like, maybe, you know, she's, she's either walking out backwards or she's walking in, uh, to check on him, but he's, he's had like some kind of lobotomy or he's going under some kind
0: of tests or he's the, the incredible Hulk or something. I don't know. Like, here she's just going to you know put one of those little plastic cups in the little weighted holder on the on the thing until it fills up with the right amount of water and then be like rinse <laughs> well whatever i mean it is it is kind of a um
1: yeah it is it is it's kind of a weird album cover and um you have the just really nondescript logo up there in red yep um with the with the, it's a very kind of simple, like M- MSG logo over to the left, which kind of looks like if you look at it really quick, it kind of looks like Asian writing or like, Oh, it looks like a symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Or some kind of symbol, which makes the kimono thing kind of like work. If you, if you look at it that way.
0: An hmm. In- interesting but, album cover. Yes. Um, the flip side of it, or is this the inside? I think this is the inside sleeve is Schenker with a flying V doing a big, like almost windmill strum. It's got the uh just the track listing, it's got some lyrics, but not all of them. And I think the others are on the other side. Again, it's got that MSG logo, and the other side is him (laughs) digging in a little more with a kind of a funny (laughs) expression on his face. He kind of looks like um (laughs) You remember in Top Secret? Do you you know that movie? With Val, Val yeah, Kilmer, I,
1: yeah, I, yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. There's this
0: one. It's it's one of my favorite movies, and it's just, this one scene. It's every every thirty seconds is another just gag. It just keeps hitting you with gags. He's wrestling with this guy, like to try and trying to wrestle his gun away from him, and he's kind of pushing his face like this, and then he's pushing Val Kilmer's face, and then they both let go, and their faces are like frozen in that, like with <laughs> you know with our makeup to make it look like like that. That's what they look like when they kind of. They're making that big kind of awkward smile when they release their hands from each other. Yeah, it's just, um, he looks like so. I don't know, B. He looks like uh, Gary Busey or something. I don't know. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's
1: like, he looks, it's, that's just a really weird expression that they chose to. It feels
0: like that. I mean, it's a, it's a good pose, but it feels like they could have had a, had a, a take two on the facial expression. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then there's the record label itself, Chrysalis. Do, 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 do. Side one and side two. And then the back cover is um, like it's it's almost like they've panned over to the left in that dentist's office. And you see two doctors or dentists with the lab coats on and Michael Mm. Schenker's on like the little library cart that they wheeled in from the, you know, to your classroom with the with Mm. the with the big tube TV on it, looking at a Michael Michael Schenker shredding on the guitar. And he's like making some notes and and Michael's Mm. playing. So, you know what? That's, that's very interesting, right? So if this is, if this
1: is the point of view, like if we're looking at this back cover Mm -hmm. from the point of view of Michael Shankar, like sitting in the thing, then all of those diodes hooked up to him, maybe like what's on the screen is, is like his essence or what's coming from his brain or something. And they're,
0: they're taking notes like, "Eh, he's a guitar genius. You know, they're, they're steal- I mean, they're like stealing all of his guitar knowledge and they're going to put it into Keanu Reeves and he's going to be like, I can shred. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's good. I was thinking it was more like panning over to the left, but I think you're right. This is like Michael Shanker's viewpoint. He's watching himself on this little TV as the doctor's trying to like get some notes. Oh, this man is thinking about playing this flying V guitar. Very hmm. interesting.
1: <laughs> he's thinking about playing lead guitar. I wonder what he's thinking about. Oh, playing lead guitar. That's interesting. Let me... Let me
0: jot that down. Wants to play lead guitar. Is trying to
1: play, but can't because hooked up to diodes (laughs) and strapped in surgical chair. Hmm, very interesting. Still wearing leather pants, seems to be
0: enjoying it. When I told him to get into that gown, he apparently was not listening. He just took off his shirt and (laughs) sat in the chair.
1: (laughs) Yes, get into this gown uh, or undress to your comfort level. And apparently his comfort
0: level was just the pair of leather pants. Leave the gown open to the back. There will be no need for that. I'm going to open in the front here. (laughs) I'm going to sit on this chair with my leather pants on we got to put all this on display for the ladies. <laughs> for the for the bloodstained kimono lady to come in and check me out. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. So, yeah, that's uh, so, that's the... Uh,
1: is, yeah, it's a very weird... I, I don't know. I just like knowing the people that are on this album. I just feel it's a very... When we get to the tracks, I guess we'll, we'll get into it. But it's just like... I mean all the all the deep purple related guys is just very this is a very odd album um uh, I feel for them to have been involved in because it's like it's it's much heavier than I think what they did. Well not Don Airy because he was doing Aussie, but like I'm thinking like Mo Foster. I don't think of him as like a heavy rock player and
0: you yeah, know, Glover he's more played of like some, a like a kind of funky and jazzy kind of guy.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean and and you know, and Glover is like you know, had one foot in it, but I mean, it's been more like classic rock and this is more harder edged rock. And I don't think like Lover has really been harder edged. So it's like him even being producer on this is like, I mean, and you know, I mean, he could produce, you could be a producer and produce like a, a multitude of things, but you figure like listening to this, it's like you would figure it wouldn't be his cup of tea, but I mean, it's very interesting, I think.
0: So, one more interesting thing to note um, when looking into this. So, this was another album cover by Hypnosis, who we've seen again and again. They did the uh, Difficult to Cure cover and a bunch of other covers. Um, they did the uh, uh, Live. Uh, Never Say Die. I almost said live and let die. Uh, the Never Say Die uh, <laughs> album cover, which apparently Difficult to Cure was going to be, that was going to be the album cover for that. So they recycled it. I wonder if this is another one they were going to give to Black Sabbath and they just like edited in Michael Shanker at the end. It was going to be Ozzy in that chair. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would have worked with Ozzy. It would have. It would have
1: for sure. Um, you so, know, and so, Bill Ward would have been in the door with those red pants <laughs>
0: <laughs> he would have been back there instead of the nurse yeah i'll take the kimono lady um but uh, the, so the art uh, direction for this was done by peter wagg who worked for um chrysalis records chrysalis chrysalis i don't know um, i think i i i think it was chrysalis and then chrysalis. i started
1: thinking like you that it was chrysalis and maybe i was pronouncing it I think it's it wrong, chrysalis because
0: that's like a you know the chrysalis that's like wasn't that part of the like um yeah i think it is developmental stage yeah. of a you know, of a, of a butterfly or whatever. And the, yes. they, they turn into a chrysalis or something. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so the guy who did the art direction for this was also the same guy who, um, who created Max Headroom.
1: <laughs> it's just like totally Actually, r- random. I, I can, looking, at, looking at Michael Shankar on this photo, I can kind of see it. <laughs>
0: Michael Shaker wow. gr- 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 group. <laughs>
1: <laughs> why was that a? Why was that a thing? Like just Max like. Hedrum? Yeah, I remember when he came on, and that was such an like. I I remember watching it. It was such an eighties thing. Oh, it was a like, phenomenon. Kind of this this AI type thing, but it's like okay, why why is like a glitching like AI person such a big phenomenon? It's like he's not even like working properly. He's like, it's like, all right, if you're if that's happening, then you need to, like, scale it back. Like, like go back to the drawing board. Don't release this until it's in.
0: It's uh, it's ready to properly be released. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what Max Headroom's deal was, why he was so glitchy. I remember watching the show, but I don't really remember much else about it. No, me neither. But um, at any rate, uh, he also did some writing and production for Cirque du Soleil. So um, and then the photography was done by Rob Brimson, who worked for Hypnosis as well. He did photography for many album covers, but all, uh, most notably for me is Pink Floyd's Animals, uh, my favorite uh, Pink Floyd album. So um, so some good lineage there on this uh, on this album. So, OK, before we get into the tracks, we are going to do what we always do. And that is, of course, to thank our core level patrons coming in at the $7 and 77 cent. Keep it warm rat tier. We have the one and only Michael Vader at the $6 99 cent. New nice price tier. We have spike the rock cat and sugar tea at the episode $6 66 cent tier. Steve Caldwell, Arthur Smith and Anton Glaving, at the $6.65 Almost Evil tier, Kenny Wymore, Michael Bagford. At the $5.99 The Nice Price tier, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Mark Helberg. And at the 60 Kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, Zwopper the Electric Alchemist, and Newt Morton Johansson. Oh, <laughs> it was an abridged version. <laughs> I kind of liked oh, this that. Is, this is the night of like uh, technical difficulties. Well, my, my finger slipped, but I kind of like that. Just the, the short It's a Great Life. I might have to have a short version ready for sometimes. Um, let, let us know what you think, Newt. And by the time we get to this, we won't know. We won't remember, but... <laughs> <laughs> at the $5.55, what's going on here, tier? We got Richard Fusey at the $5 Money Lender tier. John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zerns, Cynthia Doobie, and Rafkaf. Thank you to all of you for your support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right, and that brings us to the album itself. John, are you ready to dig into... Michael Schenker Group's 1980 debut album, The Michael Schenker Group. Hell yeah. Then let's do it. The first track up is Armed and Ready.
1: Great classic heavy riff.
0: Love the bass tone on this too. I mean, there's just something about Roger Glover's production that always just speaks to me.
1: So my first my first impression was is that this uh, the vocalist sounds very Rob Halford-ish. Oh,
0: okay. My first impression was it kind of sounds like Ozzy, like.
1: I mean, that's two weird comparisons, right there. I just think that kind of like, not raspy, but he's got that kind of like uh, that Rob Halford quality of in his uh, his singing voice. Yeah, I can hear that. And I mean, I'm familiar with a lot of like late '70s, early '80s uh, Priest, uh, even though I don't listen to a lot of it now. But it's a very kind of priest sounding, so that's, you know, pretty cool. I think this might have been the song that came out on the playlist that hooked me in.
0: piano coming in
1: yeah that's a really great addition and i mean the 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 lead guitar and the rhythm guitars too have this really kind of raw quality to them Like he's not he's not playing like pristine and perfect.
0: Yeah, and I might i might be talking out of school here because my knowledge on both these players is not probably what it should be, but to me, Schenker, I think I always had this impression that he was like, i just a shred guy, but I'm hearing much more like bluesy rock, like almost Ace Frehley sort of style. Mm-hmm. Like Ace Frehley if Ace Frehley was like, like a bit more technical. Right. Well, probably considerably more technical, but he's got that same like swagger to his playing. Like, and like you said, it's like, it's like a little sloppy and not perfect, but it's like, it works really, really well. And Glover, you know, was his idea to put that piano in, it had to be. Which makes it more rock and less metal, but in my opinion, that's a good thing. I mean, it really doesn't take away from it. No, it's great. Well, I mean, you consider
1: all the musicians involved in this and it's, it's not even like a surprise.
0: Ending there, but it's got that same sort of feel to me as like the David Coverdale White Snake album, you know. Like, it's got that I don't know what it is about Glover's production, but tying in like the acoustic piano with the rock, and it's this it's it's got this edge to it, but it's not just straight heavy, and and that's that's what what I really like about it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but what do you think about Armed and Ready?
1: Um, great opening track. I give it. Um, I give it a. I'll give it a four. All right. Yeah, I mean it's um and such a great riff too. I mean it's so simple. I mean you hear it now and you're just like, okay, that sounds like every other heavy rock riff. But I mean back then, how many? I wonder how many times it was. It was kind of done. That yeah. kind of riff was
0: done. You know. And it had some nice little breaks in it too. Like it wasn't just, you know it had it, it wasn't just like a verse chorus sort of thing there were some other little things they threw in there that really made it interesting
1: yeah I mean it was um yeah it was definitely melodic um uh, I mean the the vocalist is really uh the singer is really good um like I said it, if I didn't know any better I would have thought it was like um like I said I would thought it was rob Halford but I think that's a great uh comparison but I really like the sound that the I really like the production and the sound the guitars get on this, um, this track and, and the album for that matter, because like I said, it doesn't sound super slick and high budget. It's just very, very raw, very like early, uh, very early eighties, um, in a, in a good way. Um, would say like one of the better early eighties sounding, um, recordings, which is what drew me to it because a lot of stuff in the early eighties, that was heavy, um, like heavy rock and stuff. Not a lot of it was produced too great.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and this is early early 80s, well 1980, so <clears throat> um yeah, I will give this one a 4 as well. I really like it. Um it's kind of kicks you off on the on the right foot, starts it off rocking uh, before you get into the second track, which is entitled Cry for the Nations. Which um when I heard that title, I thought, that sounds like a Scorpion song title name. And then I heard this and I'm like, it sounds like it's off of Accidentally on Purpose. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, I was not expecting, I thought I'd Cry for that. I was like, Cry for the Nations.
1: No, when, I, when I heard this, I thought they were going for something completely different. Like I was like, oh, okay, I guess that was the only good song on the album. And now the rest of it's going to be this weird stuff like this. Yeah. But I
0: was wrong. that's what i was expecting very bizarre intro sounds like something you'd have a tropical drink while you're listening to it sounds like quasi steel drums
1: and like the cartoon atomic bomb dropping sound effect was kind of unusual choice yeah
0: survivor feel here
1: uh yeah i was just gonna say that
0: This this came out This came out two years before Eye of the Tiger, so maybe they lifted it from them. But just really great melodic chorus here. Yep.
1: back that melody from the uh, intro
0: this is the less silly version of it (laughs) the less silly version Very bluesy. It sounds like he's mostly just sticking to kind of pentatonic sort of stuff. But really good. Yeah. That was like uh coming out of a uh, smoke in the water coming out of the solo. <laughs> Sounded almost the same. Yeah. I missed it. The part where he goes, Dee! Uh, dun, dun, dun.
1: Like, wonder if Glover noticed that. Maybe he told him to do it.
0: Yeah, it's really great when you contrast it with like what we did a few weeks back with like Ingve is. It's such a different, for me, much more enjoyable to listen to. Oh, yeah. Although
1: I will admit that I have gone back to the Ingve album and listened to a couple of the tracks on it because they were they were much um, just
0: much more memorable than I thought they would be. I think it's already fading out. It's got like a minute left. Yeah, the Yngwie album had some some good stuff. Yeah, I mean here and there, but I just find like the feeling on the, on this playing just speaks to me on a different level.
1: Oh yeah, well I mean that's I think goes without saying. At least um, I know for me that I enjoy this type of playing much more than
0: uh, the type of playing that Ingbe does. It just makes me feel like I've been sleeping on Michael Shanker for too too long. You know, it's it's. I never had said a bad word about him. I never really kind of explored any of his stuff. I mean, I've listened to some UFO here and there and I've heard Love Drive, but I don't really remember much about his contributions to it. But uh it's uh he's he's really, really good. I really like his his style. So that's Cry for the Nations, John. Boom, boom, bing, 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 boom, boom, bing, ba da that what was you, that was wonderful.
1: Um <laughs> <laughs> I'll <clears throat> I'll give this I'll give this one a four. Um I've come to enjoy the the intro now, but that's because I know what's coming. Like when I first heard it, I was kind of disappointed. I'm just like, ugh, is this gonna be like some kind of weird ballad? Or like <laughs> it's not even I, I weird, it's just
0: silly sounding. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding,
1: ding, ding. Well, I mean, that's that's Don Airy right there, so. Yeah, maybe that would have been him. Yeah. Well, I mean, who else would it be? He's the only keyboard player on this. Ding, 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 ding. With the bass chords in the background, it's. But I mean, I I kind of like how that's kind of this this different beginning, and then it goes into this this uh, kind of moody, uh, kind of metal song, and then they bring that melody back to the like the bridge before the. Um, uh, yeah. Before the solo, and um, yeah, they've. Uh, it's just another, like, he's just got a lot of great fills and things that he does um, in here, Michael Shankar, so it's, um, I mean, at least on this album, this is the only one, I haven't really ventured out, but I mean, they really captured something here,
0: so. Yeah, and this is one of those Michael Schenker groups that just kind of has a rotating cast of different people over the years just constantly changing very rainbow-esque <laughs> although i think he sticks with um gary barden for a lot longer than richie generally would stick with a singer but mm. i will also give this one another four really really dig it i think it's uh it's got that it's in that 80s zone for me that really works before it gets like a little too cheesy um and i i, I just dig it and glover's production just really makes it for me so Speaking of Scorpion song titles, the next song is called Victim of Illusion. This is a killer riff. Yep. Very simple, but very effective. Is so that that synth in the background? It's kind of like an oscillating sound that's kind of slowing down. Mm. I feel like his rhythm playing reminds me of Randy Rhodes a bit. I think it might be the sound too of his
1: yeah, guitar. Maybe it's, it's cuz he's he probably maybe had the same setup cuz he plays f- Flying Vs, so maybe they had a similar they had a similar setup. And it was around the same era too, so I mean all these heavy guitar players were probably using a lot of the same equipment. Yeah. See, there are little things in his playing like the the main riff those last two notes he doesn't play him straight he does
0: like a little tremolo on him yeah he's like he's like he's bending the, the yeah chord, like the chord he's strumming, he's bending a little
1: yeah so far in like the, there are the, these little things so far in the first few songs you just hear him do that and the rhythm is just these kind of interesting little things instead of playing it straight said the Randy Rhodes thing I was listening a little bit and it's like I could I could picture Randy doing a solo similar to that. Yeah, but I think the diff- the th- difference is, is that he wasn't like doubling and tripling his parts. He played it very dry like the effects
0: like he yeah. didn't have you know that that was his difference there with his lead playing. Even his solo style is kind of like a cross between Ace Frehley and Randy Rhodes where it's like I think his phrasing and everything is really intelligent on the level of like Randy Rhodes, where he's got like the kind of the swagger of Ace Frehley, but um, not, doesn't quite go into the music theory, neoclassical direction as much as Randy did. Right. But he was, Schenker was approached by Ozzy at some point, wasn't he? I think so. I think he was a, and, and Deep Purple, I think. I think he was, because he was considered a top-notch player. Well, I mean, he sounds still like is, he
1: straddles the line between those two
0: styles. He could have gone either way. But there's definitely a bluesiness to his playing.
1: Well, like here, it's like kind of a Mississippi Queen type yeah. feel. It's a good call.
0: those hands claps?
1: You think that's Glover that uh, added those in?
0: You think you would have had Mo Foster using those sausage fingers and doing some snaps? (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to let those things go to waste. My greatest (laughs) uh, my greatest thing in life is that (laughs) Mo Foster actually listened to that episode (laughs) and knows that we called him sausage fingers. (laughs) Oh so good. <laughs> when when he emailed me and said and mentioned sausage fingers, I was like, I probably was beat red. I don't know. What did he what did he say again? Like, I think when he, he said something that? something along the lines of, like I've been called many things, but I've never been called sausage fingers. <laughs> and he still came on the show after that. So I mean, okay. Hey. <laughs> well
1: because well, because it was like because I was making up a, a character or a scenario. Right, it wasn't right, just exactly. like, oh yeah
0: fuck him, he's sausage fingers or something like that. <laughs> no, I think you were, I think you were, you would, uh because he was credited as doing the hand cl- hand stops, I think it was like old blind mole or something like yeah and it could have been anybody and that, you were like it's it, funny it that they just, went with him it's like and you said you were like playing the part of the producer hey let me see those sausage links or something like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it could have been him it could have been anybody and yeah. so it wasn't directed at him so he probably knew that it was just like oh, okay he wasn't like making fun of me well he's just... got
0: a, he's got a sense of humor so uh, a very funny guy <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay. we love you, saw. We love you. We love you, SF. We do. He's uh, what, and what a bass player, man! <laughs> Just incredible. Um, oh yeah. All right. Victim of illusion. What do you think? Um, I'm gonna give this one a five. Oh my goodness. Oh hey, yo.
1: Oh you, my goodness. You you're looking around for a five. Where's the? Fr- 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 fr?
0: <laughs> it's gonna take too long to do it. <laughs> By the time I do it, it's gonna be so anticlimactic. All right, well that was the, that was the sound effect,
1: folks. So enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, I would say like just on the all the little the little tidbits in there uh, and the riff, the main riff alone are just um, just enough for me to to give this a five. This is like a no skip for me. Yep, it's a good one. Uh, just yeah, great great song. I love it.
0: Um, I'm gonna give it a 3.5 oh. I like it I think it's a good song but it didn't quite hit me the same way it hit you um, and I Sorry. bet been... I bet if Nick <sighs> was on this episode he'd give it a 5 too this seems like right up his alley like there's like that Captain Beyond song that reminds me a lot of this one that he that he gave a 5 and I tend mm-hmm. to notice like with the song, the certain things in songs that he really likes so I'm gonna have to ask him after we're done recording if he's familiar with this album or if he's ever heard this song because mm. I think he would yeah. uh, I think he would like it All right, the next track up is an instrumental, and this one is called Bijou Pleasurette. Maybe she's about to come in and give him a Bijou Pleasurette. Oh. Those guitar harmonies. And is that the bass in the background that's kind of just... Oh yeah, it has to be. He's doing those little trills like... It might even be a fretless.
2: Reminds
1: me a little bit of um, what Motley Crew did a, a year or two later, God Bless the Children of the Beast on mm. Shout at the Devil, Mick like uh, acoustic interlude. Very much the same feel. But this seems to be venturing in a little bit into Ingve territory. Yeah, and I think that's
0: maybe what I like about it is it composition wise does, but does he not doing this? Like, yeah, not too classically. Yeah.
1: Like it is, but it sounds accessible, you know. We've been using that word a lot lately. Very accessible, very accessible.
0: And just great glover production on this. Wow. Good All stuff. Right. What say you, John, about
1: bijou pleasureette? You can't say it without saying it like that. <laughs> so you know what song I really like? Bijou, plaisirette. It.
0: <laughs> it's a very um, weird can... title for that song, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give it a three point five. I thought it was, um, I thought it was pretty good, but um, not like I'm like, oh god, bruh. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Oh God. Oh my God. I can't take it. Oh my God. I can't take it. It's so good. Um, It's more like, yeah, this is, this is good. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I I put it a little higher, higher than average. I I think it's um, I think it's good. I think it's a good instrumental, but it's kind of, for me, a, um, an interlude piece between another song, um, I mean, yeah, it stands on its own, but I don't think it's anything too outstanding. You know what I mean?
0: Gotcha. All right, well, hold on to your hats. I'm going to give this one a five. <laughs> oh, geez. what is happening? <laughs> I know, we just flip-flopped. We, I, yeah, love, we did. I love this instrument. It reminds me of just all the great Glover stuff, like those little, like, magician moth things and stuff from the Butterfly Ball. There's something about mm-hmm. the way he does this and the combination of, like, the acoustic instruments and the synths. It's just... I think it's a great, great composition, and it, I think it's a great composition that could have been ruined so many ways. It could have been twice as long. It could have had, you know, production techniques or sounds in it that were just silly, but like, I think it was just so well done, and mm-hmm. um, that kind of like distorted guitar, and whatever Mo was doing back there on the bass, it would sound like maybe a fretless bass. Man, I love it. I don't know that I've ever given an instrumental a 5, but I I I t- historically love little interlude like instrumental interludes like this on albums and this is probably one of my favorites. I think it's just great.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll agree it's it's good, but I'm uh, not to the I don't I don't enjoy it to the level that you do, but I do agree that the um it does have the it does definitely has the stamp of like um of um you know other Roger Glover produced things, um, such as the way that the, you know the kind of the bass and the keyboards kind of come in, and while the guitar is playing and everything sounds very reminiscent of something from the Butterfly Ball, uh, for instance. So it's um that's that's where you can kind of tell that his stamp is.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: As a as a producer, I mean that had to have been his suggestion, no doubt.
0: Yep. All right, next track up is. Feels like a good thing. Ah, some Simon Phillips goodness for you.
1: Ah, just another great chugging riff.
0: This one sounds like it could be a Richie riff.
1: I love how the bass is playing along with it. Just mirroring what the guitar does. Yeah, it does sound like Richie could
0: have written that. This, too, this sounds like it could be a rainbow chorus. Roger had any hand in the writing of the songs and just didn't take credit.
1: I mean, it's just very simple, like descending guitar line. And then a great scream going into a great rock and solo.
0: The only thing it's missing is play it for Mikey! <laughs> a what? You know, play it for Mikey or so, you know, just announcing the guitar player. Mikey. one thing's for sure. I gotta, I gotta probably dive into UFO a little bit more. I've always, li- it's one of those bands. that's like, I've always liked what I heard. I just like, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and I don't know how these other guys do it. they just like, they no. know every album. It's like crazy. I gotta quit my job and listen to albums all day. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the dream? It doesn't play, pay quite as well. Unfortunately. A dream deferred. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: it's a good horny song, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a good horny song. Yeah. Oh that's great what's going on in the background there
1: You have this look of elation on your face right now you like <laughs>
0: Concert ending right there. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to close out side one of the album. But the, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, lyrically, I would say so far, this album lyrically is not the strongest. Um, Great singing, great delivery, but just, you know, like classic, like, you know, I know what I need and you've got what I want. Use your imagination. It's like, I don't think she needs to use her imagination. I think she knows exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's, it's flirting. (laughs) (laughs) or maybe or maybe or maybe it's not maybe he's like you know i really need you to to mop the floor in the kitchen (laughs) (laughs) Uh. have you ever seen those videos like the (laughs) people (laughs) that post it's like it'll be like some some chick and she'll be like all scantily clad she's like you've got 24 hours with me and i can't say no what are you gonna have me do and then it cuts to like some guy in a hard hat and like there's a forklift in the background he's like yeah we'd have a bunch of people calling sick today I, i'm not gonna lie it's gonna be a rough <laughs> night but uh we got a lot a lot of pallets to move <laughs> it's great it's like one of those like yeah. you know duets you can do on tiktok or whatever it's fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah no it, it reminds me of um I haven't thought about him in a while but George Carlin mm-hmm. when he was um one of his I think one of his last stand up specials and he's talking about when uh, when people um when they're when they come over and they say to you if you're uh, if you just lost somebody like a loved one and they're like if I could do anything at all for you just let me know and he's just like yeah he goes paint the fence <laughs> he goes there's a toilet upstairs that's clogged it's full of shit go on get to work <laughs> he goes you want to help out? Strap his strap in. I got a lot of <laughs> chores for you to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's
0: just like it's like one of those things, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. So, what do you rank? Feels like a good thing.
1: You know, I'm. I was bouncing back and forth a little bit between this, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to give it a three point five. Okay. Um. I think. I think it does have a lot of great qualities to it, but it's like even though I like that the descending guitar line and the um in the chorus, it just, it, it, it kind of slows down the song for me. It kind of like kills the momentum a little bit. So, uh, it's, even though I like the chorus, it's not one of my favorites, but I do think it's like a great, it's a great riff, another great solo, great concert ending, a lot of like layers in the song. Um, but that's, that kind of keeps, keeps it from being a four. All right.
0: I will go four on this one. I like the chorus. I like the the riff. The solo is awesome. Oh it's yeah, strong strong track. All right, so we're gonna flip this record over, like only we can. Nobody else can do it. Um, and we are going to get to the first track on the second side, which is "Into the Arena." They're not kidding. <laughs> is just awesome.
1: Yeah, some fancy finger work going on.
0: It also makes sense, like, like, how did I just not know about this album until, like, a couple years ago? <laughs> it's like, it would have been right up. If we had had this album when we were 12, we would have been, like, in heaven.
1: No, oh, Yeah. It's just like you said there's only so many hours in the day.
0: But it's great that we could discover it later in life and still like it, like I I'm listening to it and I've probably heard this album like five times in my life and I'm like I feel like this nostalgic feeling about this album is if I'd been listening to it my whole life.
1: Well, I mean because it's it's in our wheelhouse. I mean it's got musicians and songwriting and production
0: and all well, sort of like imagery surrounding it that we loved growing up, so. But I feel like that's not always the case with me. Like if I get into stuff that's like stuff I missed back in the day that I should have gotten into, I listen to it now and I'm like, eh, it doesn't resonate with me. But this th- this one is different. It does. Well, no, I agree.
1: That doesn't always happen, but this one definitely hit me the same way.
0: So another instrumental, obviously. yeah mo solo <laughs> soloing on a like eighth notes or sixteenth notes ooh just ripped a nice little fill there see if you want to put something instrumental in your song like drum wise this is how you do it. Right, because it's like the bass is there and the keys are there, but they're just laying a foundation. They're not interfering.
1: Uh, now we get some Don Airy.
0: Again, this sounds like it could be out of a Rainbow Live concert. Yeah, that's great. Another, uh amazing ending to a song all right what do you think of that one i'm gonna give this one a four
1: all right i think this is um this is a really great instrumental for for many reasons but one of them is is that um it's it's the michael shankar group and he's clearly the focus he's the star here but this wasn't just about the guitar solo through the entire song mm-hmm. um because not only were there dynamics in the song but they were it, it was able to feature the other musicians like we heard kind of that middle part where it was just um it was just the bass and the drums doing a little thing and then building up to this uh to this part with Don Airy doing a little keyboard melody so it wasn't like really they really didn't take solos but they kind of were featured a little bit but it wasn't it didn't feel like, oh, here's, here's the bass. Here's the keyboards. It's like it it built up to something else and broke the song up. And it it was in like different uh, times as well, how it kind of slowed down to like a halftime thing at the end and, and kind of ended on that note instead of doing the whole thing at the beginning, which also was very, very cool and impressive. Like that's the thing too, is that the, some of these riffs, they sound like, they sound like technical, but they also sound very, When I hear it as a like somebody that plays guitar, I'm like, oh, I could probably play that.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's well played, but you're like it's accessible enough that you're like, yeah, I could probably figure that out and and play it, and probably not as well as him, but like, yeah, it's not like listening to Yingwei, Yingwei, freaking Yingwei, freaking run, (laughs) where he's like, like it's like no, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. But this all sounds like it's based in some sort of world that i actually understand right like it it sounds
1: kind of like like a almost like um you know a guitar exercise where you're where you're trying to build up speed or like you know the end of like um like the end of like black sabbath like the song black sabbath yeah. where i remember the first time learning how to play that and that w- kind of reminds me of this because it was just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> true. you know and it's and once you get into the rhythm of it and you kind of you know your, your muscle memory and your fingers do it it's not that difficult if if you're a guitar player so that's kind of what this sounds like so I I appreciate him for being so so uh, um such a uh, virtuoso with like styles and and playing but it, it just sounding also like very um to use the word again, accessible, like accessible to uh, musicians and, and listeners too, because I feel like if you're listening to it and you're not a musician, you kind of have that thought in your head and you're just like, oh, this sounds like I want to hear it, but I just don't know why.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you're a mu- musician, you can kind of verbalize it, I guess, like I just did. But um, but yeah, I just think there's so many great dynamics in it. It's nothing difficult either. It's just, it's so, it's so great, you know, and I think in the hands of like a lesser, producer um and mm-hmm. you know lesser musicians this just would have been boring
0: but it was not agreed 100 percent. i will also give this a four and i i guess my completely uh ignorant view of michael Schenker was that he was uh, and i'm it's probably not false, but was that he was like a big ego and like, it's just all about him. And I think any lead guitarist has that tendency in some (laughs) respect. But to me so far, what I've heard from this album is like, he's clearly very intelligent in the way that he's allowing this music to be uh, presented. And, you know, some of that might be him, some of that might be Roger, who knows, but it's presented in such a way, like you said, it's not just like, oh, Uh, if I see like a Guitar Hero thing and it's got two instrumentals or three instrumentals, I'm like, oh boy, these instrumentals, I'm sure are going to be a friggin' treat. It's just going to be them showing off (laughs) the whole time. And that, like you said, it just wasn't that at all. It was people, and it wasn't also that formulaic like, okay, now there's a bass solo. Okay, now there's a drum solo. Okay, now there's, there was cool things happening where like the drums were, It was like sort of a solo, but then also the, you know, Mo was in the background doing some cool fills and Don Airy was playing those, you know, holding those chords. So it was just, it was, it's more of a composition than just a show off fest. And that's what I really liked about this track. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next track up is called, what is it called? Looking Out From Nowhere.
1: Now, this is the first one because sounds kind of Scorpions-ish yeah like
0: it sounds like Rock Me Like a Hurricane yeah it's the only reason I'll pick up on the Scor- it's Scorpions-ish it might be that's one of like three songs I know by them <laughs> yeah so I don't even I know, know every was song I in Scorpions-ish one? was that? was he even involved in that no, song? no I don't think so And didn't that song come out? That that would have come out after this, right? Maybe yeah, they stole a few it from years him. later. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, little brother. I'm <laughs> Take that one.
2: I you
1: know, like you got um, Gary Barden singing a little bit lower in this.
0: Yep. Yeah, Rocky Like a Hurricane came out uh, oh. three years after this. Or four years after this, he's doing that bum bum bam bum Richie Blackmore thing. Yep.
2: You
1: got a nice like groove in the background, nice bass groove going on. Are there claps in the background?
0: I think it's a tambourine.
1: Oh, I thought I heard claps again.
0: All that talk about sausage fingers got you, uh, got you worked up. Yeah. Worked you in a frenzy. <laughs> Although
1: clapping, it would be sausage patties, right? Yeah, <laughs> 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 breakfast patties. <laughs> yeah, look at those, look at those <laughs> breakfast patties. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I'm having. I mean, just, I'm, I'm having trouble finding any fault in this album really. It's just Yeah, great it's It's just great
1: rhythms, great little details here. Like great little fills that he's playing, they're very like melodic.
0: played that at double speed that would have been like a ingve on the ending <laughs> <laughs> right I was slowed down at half speed though awesome all right what do you think of looking out from nowhere oh my spreadsheet closed Uh-oh. you can you can tell me and I'll put it in when you're, done, <laughs> when you're done, sneezing, you can just you could, you, could, you could just tell me.
1: You know, it's like um, like that old uh, the Kramer episode, the uh, Seinfeld where uh, Kramer was uh he was being movie phone. Why don't you just tell me the, <laughs> name, the name of the movie phone? <laughs> Why, <laughs> you could, like, uh, Why don't you just tell me the name? of the why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to see? You go, why don't you just tell me the rating you want me to put in?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, no, I want to put in my own. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to give that one a four. All right. Um, wait, four? Four? I don't know. Yeah, four. <laughs> no, I no, I was I thinking something. <laughs> I was thinking something during the song, and I, I think I might have been going back and forth between a three point five and a four. But I'll give it a four
0: because uh, it's just good. This is good stuff. Yep. I will agree and give you a, give it a four. Like I said, I'm having trouble the The biggest criticism i could I could launch at this album is really just that at best the lyrics are like a little bit generic. But when you've got a singer that's this good singing it with mm-hmm. this much passion, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's just <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like, ah uh, yeah, maybe it's like a little bit like generic, but whatever. of course, i'm as I'm famously not a lyrics guy as we've talked about on the show. So, no, me neither. Um, and I think that the, 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 even the dumbest stupidest lyrics have sung with passion, like c- can totally transform the, you know, the, how you feel about a song. Um, whereas, you know, you might be saying with a lesser singer, you might go, Oh, that's a little cringy, but not, not nothing at all. Even cringy, just a little bit, just kind of, Nondescript at the at the best, but we're yeah. a really, really good singer.
1: Mm, yeah. I mean, I don't really listen to lyrics that much, anyways. But so it's, you know what I mean. So it I mean, doesn't. If you look re- at the I mean, lyrics, lyrics have of your, to be
0: some of your favorite songs sung by like some schlub would probably. They're probably you know they're dumb. <laughs> All lyrics are kind of dumb.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, I don't know. Like lyrics would have to be really out there or like silly for me to notice them. So, I mean, it's just like, yeah, but I mean, you hear like you said that some of the themes and the songs or whatever, just kind of, eh, it's not that great. Or it's, it's kind of generic. It's like, yeah, okay. But
0: I, that doesn't really take away from my enjoyment. Right. Like as we've discussed on the show, if you've got a, if you've got a, uh, A voice like Ian Gillen, you can get away with singing almost anything. You're just going to be, it's like, who cares what he's saying? It's just incredible.
1: Yeah, exactly. He has. I mean, he had a song called freaking The Ballad of the Lusitania Express. (laughs) I mean, he's saying, he's saying, I mean, he's saying, Lusitania Express. (laughs)
0: You're just like, like, He's also saying, get into Duluth. Get into Duluth. It's like, what?
1: Duluth? Exactly. It's just like anybody else saying that, you'd be like, what a dumb lyrics are these but it's like you got Gillen screaming it and it's like yeah if I was up there get into Duluth
0: get into Duluth that's in Minnesota you know people are like this sucks but well, then yeah, Gillen sings it and it's like phenomenal well yeah because you're singing it like
1: Kermit the Frog <laughs> <laughs> oh piggy <laughs> oh man. I love that Ooh, anybody's impressions of Kermit the Frog are always like oh piggy <laughs> <laughs> and then followed by,
2: watch it, frog.
0: <laughs> Get into Duluth. Watch it, frog. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, we're oh. on the. Uh, we're already at the penultimate track. I can't believe it. This one wow. is called Tales of Mystery. Oh, that's just great. (laughs) That far away, like, lead sound with the acoustic up front, it's just, come on. No, it's just, the way you react is, you're like, oh, that's so great. Oh, man, it was great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How was that guitar line? Man, it was great. Oh, it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Just like sex.
0: (laughs) My English is not so good. (laughs)
1: But no, I, I agree. That kind of uh, guitar line that's kind of mic far away. Yeah, it's, it's just awesome. Cool it's just
0: a cool effect. Yeah. I remember when we used to record stuff, like, you'd hear stuff like this and you're like, oh, I want to try to duplicate that. And you'd try and you to set up could. the <laughs> things to, yeah, I mean, well, something, you'd, you'd come up with some cool stuff, but but you it would give you these these cool creative, like, production ideas of what if we put the mic way back here and what if we did this? Yeah. And, Is this their uh, more than words? You see Mo and Simon sitting on stools reading magazines. <laughs> that faraway tambourine. That, synth, that little synth lead in the back. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it kind of sounds like the blind man synth. Hmm.
0: Not that we're being anyway harsh on this album but I can imagine if we'd grown up with this album we'd be giving like everything a five <laughs> if probably, we had that nostalgia yeah. factor on top of this
1: oh yeah if this was like Blizzard of Oz or Diary of a Madman*, Man it would probably catapult like right up next to them yeah it would be like it's over for you hoes this
0: is getting a five on everything
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this is good because it's it's not it's not really a ballad no, it's just like a really great It's a, Your Blind Man comparison is really a good one It's a lot shorter than Blind Man But it's got the same mm. It's got that kind of feel to it Also produced by Glover Yes
1: It's just kind of like this early 80s Minor key sounding Song of Longing yeah,
0: I've got a soft spot for a song like that.
1: Not like a like ballads like this in the early 80s were were like um they they I would say maybe 5 6 years later, maybe even sooner, they turned really sappy. Yes. Because ones like this were like like I could picture like Iron Maiden doing this or like you know any of the new wave of British heavy metal bands or um you know, the harder edge band, like Motley Crue doing it when they were in their road warrior phase, like really harder edge bands. But then when, you know, it started to get glam and softer, then songs like this turned like just kind of sappy and sappy love songs, diamond dozen type of things. And, um, where this is like a lot more, it it still maintains that kind of dark feel to it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I like this. Something like
0: this. It's funny, I kind of offhanded made that comment, but I it reminds me a bit of More Than Words. I mean it's not a terrible that's not a terrible song. It's actually a really good song. It's it's hard to separate it from how overplayed it was when we were that age, but when you if you've mm. listened to it recently, it's it's like there's some really great harmonies and really great chord progressions in that. And it's like, it's actually a really good song. If you, hmm. if you told me when I was 13 that I'd ever say that, I probably would have laughed at you, but um, it's <laughs> quite good. So, all right. What do you rate Tales of Mystery?
1: Oh, I'll give it a 3.5. I thought it was pretty good. Um, not, not four level, but um, I think it was definitely like a good, like I was just saying, a really good kind of dark, Ballad type of thing, like a song of uh, of longing, you know, not 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 sap as they would say on Seventies Weekly.
0: <laughs> um, whew, this is a tough one for me. I think I'm gonna give it a four point five. I really like it. Mm. It's one of those songs too that could easily have been twice as long, and maybe they would have lost the plot in it. But it's a great length a little over 3 minutes and they don't over nothing this album has been the only part of this album so far I felt like what was what song was it um into the arena after the first like 90 seconds I'm like okay they're going to lose me this is going to be too repetitive and they didn't go that they just branched mm-hmm. off and they did all these things and I was like they completely saved it for me and this is another one where it's like, man, they could have made so many choices that would have made this tedious or boring or whatever, and they just didn't do it. They just, they, they made it the exact right length, and it's just a really, really strong track. Which brings us to the final track on the album, and that is, of course, the closing song, Lost Horizon. Now, this is the the epic for the album. Cin- cinematic so far <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tasty little bass fill right
2: there.
0: Love it.
1: I'm gonna come back to that little melody.
0: This part reminds me of something else. I just can't put my finger on it. You'll get one of those 2 a.m. texts from me.
2: <laughs>
0: Have you ever texted me at 2 a.m.? Nah, probably not. <laughs> I don't think I've been awake at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> since texting existed. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've talked at 2 a.m. We were like teenagers, but. Since texts were invented? No.
1: This has a very epic quality to it. Yeah. Like, you can tell this is the concluding track to the album. You know, they're trying to make it very grandiose.
0: That was nice, nice little drum, Phil. Yeah. And yeah, Simon Phillips is just an absolute beast. Uh oh, what's gonna happen now? Oh, there's that fretless again. It's like the guitar and the bass are talking. expecting it to go like a Sabbath direction there hmm. can't think no, of, the little... of the name can't think of the name of the track off the top of my head
1: little interlude.
0: a lot of energy and passion in all of these songs yeah, there hasn't been a single second on this record where I felt like they were phoning anything in well also from what I've seen too here is, is that
1: all these guys were used as session musicians yeah so I mean yep you know that, that could have been it too I mean you don't you don't go into a project with I mean, you go into a project with the band, and you're like, oh, you gotta pull it out of them. But I mean, you know, Phillips, Foster, and Airy showed up as, a, I mean, I'm guessing they showed up, and it's like, okay, this is a job. So we gotta knock it out of the park here.
0: Yeah, and like, Foster and Phillips and Airy have probably <laughs> combined how many albums have those guys played on. I mean, it's just astonishing. And it says all the songs are written by Michael Shankar
1: and Gary Barnon. unless otherwise noted. Uh, which uh, the the instrumentals are just written by Shankar, so so they're written by the guitar player and the vocalist. Right. And But there had to have been some input from...
0: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. From
1: with significant input from Roger Glover.
0: Yeah, whenever they say written by, that means like, yeah, you came in with the chord structure and the arrangement maybe and maybe maybe not even a totally fleshed out arrangement and then other people kind of lend their hand um it's it's always hard to to say you know if if a song is written by one person in a band and then all the whole band plays it together those other people put in intangibles that are you know really hard to define yes but what do you think about Lost Horizons.
1: Oh my god. See, you know what you were talking about when you open up your browser and it resets back to the same thing. This is what the friggin' spreadsheet does to me, like all the time, to- like really? half the time. No wonder you're yeah, always fumbling it. with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because it resets itself. Um so ending on that note, I will say um I'll say 3.5. I would I would like to give it more, um, uh, because obviously I you know, saying its praises, thought it, you know, thought it's great, but it's um I think it's just short of like that much short of being perfect. It's like it's got some great like uh atmosphere in it, um and and chord changes and it builds up the tension, but it's um, I don't know, it might be might might be a little bit long. Um, you know, maybe the, the performance could have been a little bit more dramatic on this one, uh, just for the type of song that it was, um, not taking away from how great this or the rest of the album sounds, but it's, um, it just, it fell a, a, a little, a little bit short of being like a, a higher or perfect score for that. But I still think it was a great way to go out on for the album.
0: I agree a hundred percent. 3.5, um, thought it was you know, it it didn't drag like a song of that length can. It wasn't like you know, it was, it was still very enjoyable to listen to. But yeah, I feel like for how long it was, there could have been other stuff going on, or it could have been shortened or something. But the playing on it was incredible from everybody, and it was just really like the energy and everything behind it was awesome. So, three point five from this guy, and that concludes our song portion of the evening or morning or afternoon or whenever it is fine podcasts are listened to by you fine folks um and while john fumbles with the spreadsheet and busts it out i will of course do something which is to thank our foundation level patrons Coming in at the three pound aromatic feed tier, we have Simon Ford. At the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk. At the $3 nobody's perfect tier, Peter Gardot, Ian de Rosier. Oh my God, sorry. <laughs> I'm in the old school. Peter Gardeau. Again, you almost forgot. I know. Ian DeRosier. Mark Roback. Oh my God. Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light. Ivan Fjellbu.
2: It's a great life if you know we can. It's a-
0: Runar Simonson.
2: It's a great life if you know we can. It's
0: a... J.J. Stenard, Ruinous Inadequacies. John Maselli.
2: Baby, this is love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Michael Boyette and Corey Morissette coming in at the $1.71. I want my own tier tier. Rich, young, young. At the 10 kroner tier. Karsten Lau at the one pound tier. Lord Longford. And at the $1 made-up name tier, we have the... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we have what the, is the, happening? The, we have the Victim of Illusions, <laughs> A Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999, Fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, and... <coughs> Blackmore Tights. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. You know what time it is. All right, John. Where does Michael Shankar Group, the Michael Shankar Group, rank amongst our album reviews? Like that little clarinet work you did at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: have
0: to isolate uh, just that. <laughs> um, so
1: this uh, this looks like it ranked. Uh, it's uh, seven point nine
2: four.
1: Mm. Uh, so ranked in the looks like the upper third of our. Rankings here. Um, just a, a little bit of a variance here. You you liked it a little bit better than I did. You gave a couple of higher ratings.
0: Okay. Oh, he he's sneezing, folks. It's <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> you were shocked uh, by my higher ratings, apparently. <laughs>
1: It's like Nate, Nate you rated it higher. <laughs> you rated
0: it higher. And it's like, oh
1: my God,
2: he's he's <laughs> I'm shocked. He's so shocked. He's
1: um, speechless, folks. Um, so uh yeah, this uh this comes uh right between um, private eyes by Tommy Bolin and Clear Air Turbulence, which we were just quoting lyrics from. Hey oh. Hey oh, uh, but um yeah, so um good good company there. No, no weird coincidences today, I guess. Um but yeah, I feel that this uh, this has its uh, rightful rightful place uh, up top here, or uh, you know, in the the, top, the upper echelon. Um, as we've said, this is one of our favorite uh, newer discoveries of older albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know this is like one that every time I discover an album like this, I'm just like, damn it, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I, why didn't I know, why didn't I listen to this? Why didn't I know about this for so long? Yeah, it's great. But I mean, I mean, you hear about all these bands, uh, because they're, they're all in the same circles. Like, I mean, I knew the, the UFO and the Scorpions and Michael Shankar. I've heard all these, these names. Um, it, it's just, sometimes you get into them. Sometimes you don't. I mean, it could be, uh, in, you know, from our experience, uh, it's just availability, um how much money we had what we were interested in and what we were going to put that money toward um you know what our friends liked you know what each other liked so i mean you know i'm sure that if we had a friend that were really into the scorpions or ufo or if we were friends with like Eddie trunk or something like that we probably <laughs> <laughs> been we probably would have been into them years ago but um you know that that's one of the reasons that i think that streaming services and playlists and everything are really cool because i've discovered a lot of um you know, or rediscovered or whatever you want to call it. A lot of artists this way. And I'm sure that we would have probably come across this eventually. Um, Well, Michael,
0: uh, Michael Joseph, who listens to the show and kind of corresponds uh, with us is, is big, big, big into the scorpion. So hopefully he's enjoying this episode. Um, uh, He has mentioned, it's funny, like he's mentioned uh, scorpions to me a bunch over the years, but I don't think this album specifically, and, and this is one of those ones that I kind of, you and me didn't even really talk about it. We just kind of both listened to it on our own and decided we really liked it. Yeah. And it wasn't. There's been so many great stuff, so so much great stuff that's been recommended to us by listeners over the years, and this one was one of those ones that was just something we just stumbled upon because it was, you know, in my. Spreadsheet of all albums that featured Deep Purple members or producers or whatever it is. It was just always floating around in there, and then we we actually finally ended up listening to it and getting really into it. So it's cool that mm-hmm. um, you know it's it was kind of semi independently discovered by us. Yes, but it's a it's a really really good one, and um, you know what? Uh, if if you asked your father about uh, Michael Schenker, you know what he'd say. What would he say, Nate?
2: Who the hell is that?
0: <laughs> I found it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Beautiful. I was looking for it when you sneezed, and then when you sneezed, I was like, oh, what, what did he do? Did he stop talking? Um, <laughs> 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 so that could
1: could couldn't have been better.
0: Yeah. Oh. Um, but uh but yeah, I always
1: I always love a good uh, guitar heavy album, a really good riff oriented
0: guitar players album. Um, don't have a a heck of a lot else on this one. Um, it, it, in the Japanese album charts, it reached 59 and the UK album charts, number eight as a peak position, which is pretty good. And the U S billboard charts number 100. So, um, you know, for the U S for an album like this, that's actually pretty decent. Um, and the next album that he released is, is called MSG, just msg and it features uh you know it's again and we'll be able to kind of ride into that album with some uh some crossover stuff as well uh so it's kind of interesting um
1: that he yeah but of- i think that one is just the uh the the vocalist was with them but all the musicians were different right um
0: yes I but think C- so. cozy is the drummer on that one ah yes there we go and then uh yep. and then the next album uh, features Graham bonnet on vocals so it's just like this con and martin birch producing it so it's like this uh um ah, these first three lot. three albums we'll have to get to eventually so um I think I listened to one of those other ones maybe once but I definitely am looking forward to especially after tonight uh getting into some of those and listening to them a little bit more because there's just a lot of really great stuff here it's a really super solid rock album
1: wow he's um I'm just looking through here and he's He's got a lot of uh
2: a lot of albums. He's cranked here. out
1: a lot of material. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these are like, I mean, I'm just going through and they're like I'm in 1984 and it's just like consistent with him. He's just cranking out albums here. So and uh yeah, after that, it looks like Gary Barden came back. Yep. Yeah, Gary Bardin came back. It looks like he had um he had kind of a just looking really quick, kind of developed a um Uh, a stable lineup of uh, musicians, musicians
0: anyways. Um, And then he got uh, Robin Macaulay on vocals and called it the Macaulay Shanker. It was still MSG, but it was technically the Macaulay Shanker group. Um, And I, the only song I know from that is the one that they did on um, pot of thunder, which was really a good episode. uh, (laughs) Assuming you don't love that song, (laughs) which case. Yes.
1: Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't even I've...
0: remember the name of the song, but it was a really good episode. But all right. Well, that is it good. folks. That is MSG. Um, Really good stuff. Glad that we had a lot, had a blast doing that. And uh, you're off, uh, you're, you're, um, you're off overseas, aren't you now?
1: Yes. By the, I think, yeah, by the time this comes out, I'll probably
0: be back. Yeah. You'll probably be back for a while. <laughs>
1: Yep, I'm overseas to to the motherland. Oh, I'm going to take care of some business in the old country.
0: <laughs> or did you just kill somebody? You're like, Michael Corleone, you're going to lay low in Sicily for a year?
1: <laughs> yep,
0: I wish. <laughs> what is the, I Clemenza? Wish. Is that the guy he kills in the restaurant? Clemenza? I can't remember. I just remember I, I worked for this Italian guy, and, uh, and I had my wisdom teeth out, and I came back, and I had this big, like, thing on my... Remember, he gets, like, punched? I think he gets punched or something, and he's, like... And my my boss was like, Hey! You you look like you just took a right hook from Clemenza or something. (laughs) I don't know. I might be getting that wrong, but... (laughs) That sounds like something Pops would see it does. Oh, <sighs> Nate Bodine. It looks like you took looks like you took a hit from Clemenza. <laughs> I'd be like, Who's Clemenza? <laughs> <laughs> and who's Nate Bodine?
1: Well <laughs> <laughs> we know who that is. Were you around when he would he used to no Pops was always good for like and he still is for like like telling you like who obscure people are and be like and and you wouldn't say you would say you don't know who they are and he'd gaslight you'll be like yeah you know who they are <laughs> <laughs> I was in the service with him. I was like, dad, I wasn't there. (laughs) It wasn't even that. It was like, it was like, um, I don't know, like celebrities from like the the old days. He'd be like, like Hoagie Carmichael. You know, that guy, you know, no, the one that he used to, the, the one that sticks with me that I remember, and I'm, I feel like I might've told this on the show is he'd be like, Hey, he goes, you know, that guy reminds me of Tex Beneke. You know who Tex Beneke is? And I'm like, no, who's that? He's like, ah, you know who Tex Beneke is. I'm like, I have no fucking idea who Tex Beneke is. Who the hell are you talking about? I told you one time that he was just like, he goes, hey, John, you ever heard of Elvis? And I was just like. You ever heard of Elvis? And I was just like, no. And so to he said no. I was just, oh, like, just mess I them? said no, and he goes, and he whips his head around
0: and he goes, what are you shitting me? <laughs> I never heard. He was like appalled. Well, as he should be. I mean, how could you not have heard of Elvis?
1: <laughs> but I mean, of course I was screwing with him. It's funny no that he would say Elvis. Have he you ever heard of
0: Elvis? <laughs> like Elvis with... Elvis, Elvis who? who? Elvis does, does he have a last name? Is it... <laughs> Elvis P? <laughs> Is <laughs> his last name P? Does it start with a P? Hey, you ever heard of uh, George Washington? Just one, he's an obscure figure. I just wanted to know if you've ever heard of him. You know,
1: an obscure figure from the hist- historical uh, uh, books, those things you call books. <laughs> you ever heard of books? You, you ever heard of books? No.
0: What? Are you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! You know it's those things with pages. <laughs> Actually,
1: it wouldn't it wouldn't be too far off though? Because I mean, they're like, have you ever seen these videos now? Of like uh, parents like our age, like showing kids your age, like a like a dial up phone, like a oh, rotary yeah, yeah. phone, and they're yep. just like completely confused. They're like, how do you think this works? And they're holding it like. I,
0: don't I know. saw one where the dad's like, "I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can figure out how to call a phone number on one of these." <laughs> the kids could not do it. And I mean, it seems I mean, pretty too, obvious like, how the hell to would you do us, it? And they didn't know yeah, what to do. They start dialing. The, they don't even pick up the phone. They just dial the number. They're yeah. trying to dial the number. And then they pick up the phone. And they're like, it's just a dial tone. It's pretty good.
1: But, I mean, you know, I I can give them that. I mean, you know, if you're so far removed from it, you know, you can't, you can't, no, like, you mean, know, it, shit on them for that. Yeah, them, I mean, but. how
0: would they, how would they know? And why would they know? But, I mean, and what would that knowledge is, do for them? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> We're just going back.
1: Funny, funny to think that in our in our lifetime, there's something that we used up pretty regularly that, like kids your kids' age, like would be just befuddled by. Oh yeah, you know the way
0: that old people are befuddled by email. <laughs> Not, they'd have to be real old to be befuddled by email anymore. <laughs> Maybe TikTok, uh, I don't know. But anyway, mm-hmm. folks. That's all we got for you this week. We'll be back at you next week. Well, for you next week, for us, after John gallivants through Italy. And I don't know, maybe he'll call in from Italy. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe we'll do a show from Italy. Hey, maybe I'll fly over there and meet you and we'll do a live show.
1: Uh, That would would be something I would like. I would literally crap my pants if I turned around (laughs) and I saw you walking down a cobblestone street. Then I definitely won't do
0: that. (laughs) I don't want you to literally crap your pants. Oops, Uh, I crap my pants. That'd be a lot of of work to pull that prank on me. Yeah, and and the reward would be you with a a pants full of poo. We don't need that. (laughs) A pants full of poo. (laughs) Uh, All right, my friend. I will see you next week. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening.
1: You should see the fucking ragweed out here. Here, I, like, got out of my car and I had to, like, take it away like it was fucking snow drifts or something. And there's more. Because you are going to see it as well. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes. Namely, the Max Headroom's dream story. story. Oh. And uh, afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely, Max Headroom.
2: So, sit back,
1: relax, and enjoy my film. It's friggin' terrible. <clears throat> I went to my parents today. I pulled into their garage just so I could, like, vacuum out the inside of my car because doing it outside right now is like pointless. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you selected? <laughs> channel to find the theater nearest you, please enter your five-digit zip code now. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me where you want to see the movie?
1: So, because I mean, you know, just open the windows and just all the fucking ragweed just gets in.
2: Listen, if there's anything I can do, anything at all, please don't hesitate to ask. You want know you tell a guy like that who wants to help? Oh, fine. Why don't you come over this weekend? You can paint the garage. Bring your plunger. The upstairs toilet overflowed and there's shit all over the floor up there.
1: And then it just sticks all over everything. So I'm not opening any windows in my
2: house. Somebody loves me. I wonder who. I wonder who she can be. Somebody loves me. I wish I knew. Who she can be worries me. With every girl that passes by, I shout, hey, maybe, you were meant to be my loving baby. Somebody loves me, I wonder who
1: Bringing it in here. All right, my
2: headphones are making some weird glitchy noises here.